Luton Life, brought to you by the Mall Luton. Finding out about the people who make others' lives that little bit happier, that little bit easier, and that little bit safer. Here's the Mall Luton's Sophie Solaria. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Luton Life, the community podcast for Luton, brought to you by the Mall Luton. And this month, we're marking International Women's Day. Also known by its acronym IWD, it's celebrated every year on March the 8th. So we're here at the Mall Luton thought it would be a great excuse to highlight some of the incredible work achieved by three wonderful women from Luton. Of course, it was nearly impossible to decide who should feature in this episode as there are so many incredible women in Luton doing so many amazing things, but we managed to grab a cross section and whittle it down to just three people to celebrate. Let's start with this one. My name's um, Joan Bailey, and if you want my titles, it's Dr Joan Bailey. Um, I also have an MBE, and um, I'm a Deputy Lieutenant for Luton, so I'm a DL as well. You sound like the perfect person to talk to for our International Women's Day podcast, Joan. That's lovely. (laughs) Dr Joan Bailey, MBE, is a Senior Lecturer at the University of Bedfordshire and the Director of the Safer Luton Partnership, who work to prevent crime and improve the quality of life for the people in Luton. Joan has lived her whole life in Luton and has over 30 years experience working with young people, both as a social worker and a youth and community worker. I went to meet her at the University of Bedfordshire's Luton campus, where she lectures, to find out more about her life. And Joan took me right back to the beginning. My mum and dad came here, and you know the Windrush generation, so people were asked to come from the Caribbean to come and help rebuild um, industry here in the UK. And so when my dad came, he arrived in Southampton, and he settled there because um, he had family there. If you're familiar, many of the wives came later. And I always jokingly say, I'm the reunion child, right? Jo may have been born in Southampton and lived there for a brief period, but it's not, of course, where her family ended up living. How did you get from Southampton to Luton? So my mum's family settled in Luton and there were lots of jobs here in Luton because we had Vauxhall, we had Skefco, we had Electrolux and there were a lot more job opportunities here for my dad. My dad and mum moved to Luton when I was about four and a half coming up to five. So I started school here in Luton and um, I loved school. I always loved school. I remember having amazing, wonderful teachers. That was great. Of course, there were some social type issues. So we were also living in an era in Luton where immigration started to be quite prominent and people not only were coming from the islands, but they were coming from the South Asian countries. And so I know as a child the issues that um, we experience around racism and the names we were called and often my brothers, not necessarily me, um, getting into conflict. And a lot of it is about they don't understand, it's about stereotyping and it's about making huge assumptions about people. After her dad died, Joan's mum was left to bring up the family alone. Joan and her brothers and sisters promised her mum they would work hard and do well. I went to work for what was Bedfordshire County Council, but Paluton was part of that. I worked in the children's home on Chapel Street, not far from here, and across the road was a youth club. And the young people I was looking after in the residential care, I would take them over to the youth club. And of course, remember, things have changed. But at the time, I used to think to myself, so they come over to the youth club, they have a great time. And the youth workers say, what would you like to do? And they do all kinds of things. And then they come over to us and like we kind of almost dictate 
what they do in their lives, which isn't the case now, but at the time. And I, I think it was there that I thought, I like this youth work much better. Joan decided then that she was going to train to become a youth worker, later moving to New York to carry out a large part of her youth and community work. You could tell this sort of work was where Joan's passion really lay. Do you know, I think young people are amazing. I don't think we give them the credit, and especially in these last few years with COVID, we really don't give young people the credit they deserve. And, you know, all through the time that I've worked with young people, I learned so much from them. If you just give them a chance, you know, they'll work things out and they'll decide what needs to happen. We just need to facilitate the process. Let them blossom and plan and deliver. In the organisation that I run in Luton, the Safer Luton Partnership, every piece of work that we do there with young people is led by young people. It's planned and delivered by young people. And we've bought in for over 25 years that peer model. So we say to the young people, right, so we've got to do this kind of work, right? And we've got to do some stuff around getting you, you know, back into education, back into training. But we want you to think about What does it need to look like? What kind of planning do we need to get there? And what kind of resources do you need? We get young people to lead on all that work. Through various Luton youth projects, Joan ensures young people grow and develop while also giving them extra support when they need it. So we have mentors and we use that for young people who are getting involved in serious youth violence, young people who are getting involved in antisocial behaviour. We have a project where we're working with young women who um, are in domestic abuse relations because actually when they speak, young people who have that lived experience, there's credibility in the project and there's a credibility that comes from knowing that situation that you can't have if you've never been there. Joan's work in Luton, plus her passion, ambition and drive to see the best in every young person, is inspirational. Yet Joan is so modest. I've never taken away from the fact that I do think I'm truly blessed. I always remember my mum saying, I sat on the boat for 21 days and she was seasick and she was sick every single day for 21 days to get here. And then when she got here, it was cold and she didn't expect that. And then she experienced all the racism and the names that she was called. And and, and you all know the stories about trying to get somewhere to live and it says no blacks and no Irish, no dogs. And she tells us those stories. My mum says, the reason your dad and I came here, because we knew that when we had children, we wanted a better life for our children. Education will open up doors for you. If you've got a good education, it enables you to earn and learn. I don't lose sight of that. When things do work out for you, and you're in a really good position, like I am, and lots of wonderful things have happened, I used to think, Oh, I don't want to talk about it because it's kind of really big-headed. Yeah. Women always yeah. I, I, never I, want to I, I don't want to sound like I'm facetious, you know, like I've got a doctorate and I've got an MB and I've got this. But you become a role model and if you tell people what you've achieved, they're inspired because they think if she can do it, I can do it. This International Women's Day, the theme is changing climates, equality today for a sustainable tomorrow, a theme that recognises the contribution of women around the world who are working to change the climate of gender equality. You, of course, have worked extensively in gender issues in terms of violence and discrimination and supporting women to become community leaders and advocates. I've had great opportunities in my life 
the first great opportunity to work, doing some work with the British Council, and ended up working in places like Ghana and Nigeria. And being able to see, first of all, poverty, and putting my life in context about how fortunate I was that, you know, I was born in a place where I haven't had to experience that, but also the way that people are treated. And I always talk about, you know, the treatment of women and children. That's really motivated me to want to get involved in that kind of work. And then I had an opportunity to work across South Asia in places like India and Pakistan and then to Bangladesh I did with some of the youth exchange programs it's it's really been nice to be involved in those projects to talk to women and I think it's really important that we support women we want women to feel empowered a lot of my work is about working with women making them feel good about themselves trying to empower them and then trying to get them to be in a place where they pass on those great messages to children because then those children are the next generation and particularly boys I want women to feel comfortable about themselves so that they tell their boys, this is how you must treat your girlfriends, your partners, your wives. Finally, Jane, before I leave you to your, your lecturing, you work here obviously at the University of Bedfordshire. What does teaching, what does, what does it bring to your life? To be oh, here? I love teaching. I may not like marking much, but I like teaching. <laughs> because do you know what? The proof is always, for me, it's on graduation day. You see all coming together and then they graduate and they go out and, they, and they're like amazing social work practitioners or they go into amazing jobs and they, you know, they make this whole contribution to society. I think, yeah, I played a part in that. What an inspirational, phenomenal person Joan is with such wonderful, extensive experience empowering young people and women when they need it most. From Joan... I went to meet Kelly. I'm with Kelly Betts, the editor of BBC Introducing, in her home in Luton. Kelly, thanks for talking to us. That's all right. Thanks for having me. You're a Luton girl born and bred, aren't you? You've literally been here, lived here, stayed here. Yeah, my whole life, my family are all from Luton as well. My dad actually at one point looked through his family tree and the furthest he found was Stopsley which is not far at all so yeah very Luton and you love it I do I do I do I work in London and I still live here and commute I don't really have any plans on leaving like all my friends and family are here um it's where I've met some of the best people in the world so yeah full disclosure I've known Kelly Betts for a long, long time. We both met and worked together at BBC Three Counties Radio, which used to be based in Luton before it moved to Dunstable. And from the moment I met Kelly, I liked her, as pretty much everybody does. She's one of the kindest, most thoughtful women I've ever met, particularly within the media. Yet behind that cute exterior lays a tenacious, determined creature who passionately fights for what she believes in, proven by her career path. I always wanted to work in radio. That was the only thing that I ever really wanted to do with my life. Straight out of uni, what happened? Tell us your path in to the BBC. So I rang every radio station that I could, every single one that I listened to. I sent CVs off and sent emails and I didn't hear anything back. So I thought I'm going to do it again. (laughs) So I did it again. And then um, I had a call back from a lady called Jenny who worked on reception at Three Counties Radio. She said, why don't I come in and meet everybody? And then I kept emailing this lovely lady called Carol And I was like, please, can I just have work experience for when I finish uni? And um, she finally gave in and let me have one week work experience. And I never left. Uh I was there for nine years. So what did you do on that first week of work experience? 
I tried to learn as much as I could so that I could just be really useful. So at the end of the week, I could say, uh, Carol, I know I'm leaving, but I can do interviews. I can now desk drive. I know how the studio works. I can do this, 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 and this. And then I came back in the following Monday and I helped Justin Dealey and Carol was like, you're not supposed to be in, you have to go. And I you said, you just turned back I up. just turned up, yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't want to go. Now, while I'm not encouraging people to turn up at workplaces refusing to leave, Kelly's life is a masterclass in how to get work within difficult industries such as the media. And by the very fact that she was there in that radio station building that day, invited or otherwise, meant that she was in the perfect position to help at short notice. Somebody said... Carol wants to see you now. And I was like, oh my God, she's going to evict me. She's going to get the police. And I went and saw Carol and she said, somebody's just rang in sick, can you work tomorrow? And I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. Kelly's one week of sick cover turned into covering lots of shifts for the next six months. And then finally, she started getting more permanent work in an area that she loved the most, new music. So every Sunday, pretty much, I would sit in on a show called Big George's Business of Sound. Um, Big George was an absolute legend in the area, and he had a five-minute feature dedicated to unsigned music, and I loved it. So every Sunday I'd be there, and I would bring artists for him to play, because at the same time I was working at Luton and Dunstable Hospital Radio doing a show dedicated to unsigned music. And then he left and he apparently had said to management, if you're doing an unsigned music show, you have to get Kelly Betts involved. So they came and asked if I would help set it up. That was a dream. And then that became a show every single Sunday. And we loved it, we had the best time. It was called The Box Office. The Box Office went on to become BBC introducing for Beds, Hearts and Bucks. And we were told all of our shows would then become BBC introducing in our area and we would be able to forward music up to Radio 1 and it was the most exciting thing that could ever happen because it meant that our show just became suddenly so huge overnight because it meant so important because it meant we could elevate artists beyond their scene. And it is with this passion Kelly produced that show on BBC Three Counties Radio and found the best new and unsigned artists in the local area. And it was that same passion that she put behind those artists to ensure that they were not only heard across Beds, Hearts and Bucks, but that they played at gigs and festivals across the UK, such as Reading, Leeds, Glastonbury. But she also ensured that they were picked up by BBC Radio One and elevated into the spotlight. Artists such as Tom Grennan, Jack Garrett and James Bay. James Bay was one of the artists who had been coming in for a while. He had come in 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 various bands and then he came in as himself, as James Bay. Uh, Long hair, no hat at this point. And yeah, he was just great. We put him forward for introducing Track of the Week on Radio 1. That meant that he was going to be played every single day on Radio 1. I look back through the history and I had put him forward for that slot so many times and he didn't get accepted and I just kept doing it. Again, Kelly's dogged spirit of repeatedly bombarding the BBC with James Bay meant they finally did play his track. He then got picked up by champions such as Fern Cotton and Hugh Stevens. And of course, the rest is history. For those of you who haven't heard of him, by the way, James Bay is now a huge star. Check him out. 
But back to Kelly and her incredible attitude. I mean, just the fact that you kept uploading James Bay, just the fact you kept coming back to 3CR, just because, you know, your attitude, your persistent attitude has got you so far because now, well, the next step in your career was that you ended up in the big top London offices of the BBC doing what you love. What was your first job up there with BBC Introducing? Yes. So that, again, as you can imagine, you're starting to see a pattern. So as production manager, it meant that I was then overseeing the 36 introducing shows across the UK, working on all of the events, meeting artists. I did see James Bay, actually, when I was, I think it was Radio 2 concert, and he had just won a Grammy. And he came running up to me and said, congratulations on your new job. And I was like, are you joking? Kelly says it's so humbly. But it's no surprise at all that an award-winning musician would remember her forever. It's also the reason that she, more than anyone else, deserved the big job that was going to come for her next. A job that was made for her, as last year Kelly Betts from Luton went on to become the editor of BBC Introducing across the UK. What does it mean as the editor? What are your hopes for it? So all of our headliners on our stages at the end of last year were all female, uh, non-binary, black and Asian artists because I really believe in pushing through diversity and gender in all of our lineups and not just our lineups but our staffing as well. It's something that's really really important to me and uh, something that yeah I'm really passionate about. Well it's also great because this International Women's Day the theme is equality, gender and diversity so why is this so important to you Because for me, introducing is a platform for absolutely everybody. So February just happened and um, introducing supported LGBTQ plus artists heavily on our platforms because it was LGBTQ History Month. And then in March, we will be bringing women to the front for International Women's Day. I think that's just so important. It's an inclusive, safe space for everybody. And that's what I really want to push out there and I think for introducing when its brand is to make waves in the industry something like bringing diversity and gender to the front it really starts with us. A fascinating conversation with the new editor of BBC Introducing Miss Kelly Betts and from Kelly to our final brilliant female from Luton. I have arrived at Luton Town Hall, magnificent building so it is if you've not seen it before you need to come and have a look and I've been told that behind these extensive double doors with the glass there's a lady i need to meet hello hello hi sinead sinead mcnamara was again born and bred in luton you can see the theme right sinead had worked in local government at luton borough council for over 20 years across various roles and high profile transformational programs if you don't mind taking me back you were born in luton right? yeah so i was born in luton uh, exactly 40 years ago I was born in the Luton Dunstable Hospital and I grew up in Farley Hill. The things I remember really well about growing up in Luton is is how good the nightlife was and that's something that we really want to get back in the town. So that vibrancy of of having a, a really strong nighttime economy, that was brilliant when we were growing up. I grew up in a Catholic community, so we were all very close. Both my mother and father still live in Luton. My mum still lives in in Farley Hill, in the house we grew up in. So Luton has, has, has been very kind to us. So, you know, we've all done very well. 
my mum still works for the works for the council and that's what first got me into my my job here so tell us about that then what does your mum do for the council so my mum works in community development so she's always been passionate about the community and for as long for about 25 years she worked at Farley Community Centre so she was sort of the heart and soul of, of Farley and obviously with Covid the community centre shut down so she looks after the Afghan refugees Wow. So we could just have easily have spoken to your mum yeah. for this podcast. Oh, yeah, my mum is an absolute inspiration to, to me and my sisters. And it was Sinead's mum who encouraged her to get a job at Luton Borough Council 21 years ago. And I remember really clearly saying to her, I don't want to do my career at Luton Council, I really don't. And here I am, 21 <laughs> years later, um, at, at Luton Council... And I came in as a temp and I've worked my way up. I'm now um, Interim Service Director for Inclusive Growth. And I have really gone on that, on that journey. And I'm a, you know, a real advocate for working for local government, real passionate about being a public servant and the difference you can make to residents, particularly, obviously, Luton residents. Sinead has achieved such a lot for the residents of Luton, most recently as part of the team driving the investment programme across the town. And I took the responsibility for the Luton Investment Framework, which was our 1.5 billion investment programme into the town. And we really could see the difference there. So there was the huge airport transformation. We were seeing Butterfield Green coming out of the ground. Luton was just really on a, on a transformation journey. And then Covid hit. Of course, COVID hit and stopped the world in its tracks. In particular, Luton, who was hit very hard indeed, which meant Luton Council had to start firefighting. As part of that fight, Sinead's latest project was born. Which is around, ultimately, no one in poverty. We've worked really hard on that. And basically, as a council, we couldn't do it alone. So we're really reliant on, on the role that partners play. So, for example, Barnfield College are, are building a new £26 million development up on their site that will hugely contribute to the the skills agenda locally that we 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 have challenges with there's so much opportunity in Luton and it's about making sure that we're telling everyone about those opportunities but also tackling health inequalities so making sure people have got a good home Luton's one of the third youngest towns in the country is the third youngest town in the country should I say so actually we've got a really young population so we want to make sure that that we're giving them the best opportunities as they grow up but then they stay in the town as well so they get the jobs for the future. There is a lot of poverty in Luton. It must be a huge challenge for the council, right? And actually, just pre-COVID, we were really starting to make a difference and we dropped that to below 40%. And the difference that was making, we had almost 3,000 people then lifted out of poverty, which is which is huge. And then COVID hit and we've had all those those challenges. What 2040 is, is that system-wide approach to, to how we tackle poverty. So we look at it from making sure, as I say, that people have got a decent home to live in, that they're growing up safe and secure, that they know the opportunities that, you know, in terms of skills. So making sure we're upskilling them. It is that whole joined up piece. You can't do one bit of it without the other bit of it. We are starting to see a turn in terms of particularly around around jobs and skills. You know, Luton was the third most impacted place across the country from COVID because of being an airport town. So we've got to tackle all of those problems and we're back on that journey again with, with 2040. So Luton's 2040 vision is to see the town become healthier, fairer and more sustainable. It's a place where everyone can thrive and no one has to live in poverty. 
It's a huge task and I wanted to know how they were going to achieve it. So I guess what we physically do is that we work with partners to make sure that we've got the right pathway. So for example, the employers are offering flexible work. One of the critical things that we really need to do is make sure that everyone's paid the real living wage because we've got lots of in-work poverty, which is we have lots of people who are working, but it doesn't pay to work. So they're still living in poverty. If we can prevent it happening, so we don't have as many people falling into poverty, is, is really critical to us. It takes a lot of effort to be able to create a vision like this with such a huge goal and work to make it happen and a lot of passion, which is exactly the sort of woman we want to celebrate this International Women's Day. Why do you like your job, Sinead? Why do you enjoy working for the council? I guess, ultimately, I really enjoy the difference you can make to, to local people's lives and I feel incredibly honoured and passionate, shall I say, about being a local government officer. I think it is quite a, a privileged job that I don't think some people see it as, like being able to really lead on that piece of work that ultimately can make a difference to someone's life is, is quite... It's huge. Yeah. It's seismic. You change people's lives. It's that broader whole difference you can make to a town as well. So it's everything from the people piece to the place piece. You know, something that's really critical for us is having a thriving town centre. And actually through our master plan, it is about reimagining how our town looks and feels. So we've got lots more people living in it. How are they engaging in place? You know, there's so much that I touch on and, and get to be part of. Have you got a lot of passion? For Luton, Sinead, is it your favourite place in the country? Oh, absolutely. So much passion because, you know, we are often knocked, but I think lots of it with Luton is perception. You know, we're a very generous town. We've got lots of really good voluntary and community sector organisations making a huge difference. And of course, the other place that's the heart of Luton is, of course, the Mall Luton. What's your relationship like with the Mall? Oh, amazing. The amount they do in terms of supporting all the initiatives and events that, that go on, everything from when we were doing the Big Trunk Trail last year. They've been part of Love Luton since we formed it back in 2010. Everything they do in terms of supporting charity. I think that as a, a local business, they are an absolute example of what businesses should do locally in terms of you know, they are very much a key anchor institute. They sit in the heart of our town centre, absolutely behind everything we do. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Luton Life and for celebrating International Women's Day with us. If you want to take a look at the three women we've featured in today's podcast, please head to the more social media pages. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating and perhaps a nice comment. And of course, be sure to share it with your friends and family. This episode is dedicated to all you wonderful, strong, hard-working women listening today. We celebrate you and thank you all for everything you do in your community, in society and in the wider world for future generations. We hope listening to this episode has been inspiring. Until next time, I've been Sophie Solaria for The Mall Luton. <laughs>